Welcome to the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Series Podcast. Each week, we'll learn from leaders who are driving change and making an impact. Now here's your host, the CEO of the Youngstown Publishing Company, Jeff Leo Herman. We are joined today by Paul Olivier, the VP of Mahoning Valley Enterprise for Akron Children's Hospital. Paul, thanks for joining us on the Brain Gain Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be here. Yeah, the day of recording here, it's on a Friday and, and it's awful snowy out. So I'm glad you have your blinds pulled because it is, uh, it's that time of the year where it gets a little rough to gut through the winter, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I've come to appreciate that about Northeast Ohio, which is fine. <laughs> are, you, are, you a resi- are you a longtime resident of Northeast Ohio or did you grow up somewhere else? I grew up in New England, in Massachusetts, oh. uh, but we moved here 20 years ago from Washington, D.C. So we've been here 20 years, pretty much adopted Boardman as our, our, our new hometown. Excellent. Well, we're thrilled to have you. I know that New England winters were probably tough growing up, right? Yes. Yeah, this is very actually very similar to what I grew up, what I grew up in, so I'm not a stranger to it. Okay, well, that's good. Well, well speaking of growing up... Uh, Everyone wants to know, what did you aspire to do as a child? Did you think you'd be where you are today based upon, say, your childhood dreams and aspirations? No, um, I'm sure many of us don't, you know, and, and I really didn't have any specific uh, uh, career aspirations when I was growing up. Uh, both my parents were in the healthcare field and I wanted to go into business and I was getting a general business degree at Providence College. And it was actually my father uh, when I was talking to him about a business degree. I think I was a sophomore, and he said, "Why don't you consider hospital business?" And I had never thought about it. So at Providence, I ended up taking some classes relative to the healthcare industry. Really fell in love with it. Uh, my parents had instilled with me a strong compassion for people and caring, but I, uh, but I pursued that through Providence, and then went on to George Washington University for my master's in healthcare because I basically decided I wanted to dedicate myself to this field. Thought that was the best way I could make a contribution. So. So that's that's how it all started. Do you find that most people entering a career in healthcare do have that underlying compassion or empathy for others? You know, I really do. I've I've been fortunate to work in multiple organizations with really hundreds of people, and at the core of of, of I think all of them is is that compassion for others and wanting to care uh, and and dedicate their life or dedicate their talents to taking care of other people, whether it's in a broad scheme, uh, from, for example, a business standpoint, or whether it's in a very specific one-on-one patient encounter standpoint. So I really do find that in the healthcare industry. Yeah, and so people are drawn to the industry and, and are the levels of conversation, say from a business standpoint, do they have a different flavor to them given that, you know, at the core, we're here to take care of people, right? I mean, that's really what's most important. You know, in, I've worked in Catholic healthcare organizations where they talk about no, no margin, no mission, and also no mission, no margin. So it's, I don't think it's mutually exclusive. There does seem to be some kind, sometimes an understanding that has to be reached relative to the business side. So I have worked with, with clinical uh, professionals who you know, don't understand the business side as, as much as perhaps they'd want to. And I certainly know many business folks on the business side who don't understand the clinical aspects as well. And that's why it makes such a great partnership. Those high-functioning organizations bring both those worlds together. I see. Now, as was there someone you looked up to as a child? Was there a leader or did you follow anyone either in healthcare or in, other, in another field that you looked up to? 
from a leadership perspective, you know, I always, uh, I know it sounds somewhat, um, you know, trite by true, but I always looked up to my father. Uh, he was a physician and he was a dermatologist, but we were living in a small town on, on the East Coast. He did a lot of general practice, practice work uh, too. We, I, I remember riding around on the back of his moped in the 70s as he was doing house calls. Um, and I remember being in a, in a, a car with him and we were in a long line of traffic because there was a car accident way up ahead and he grabbed his medical bag and ran up the road to see if he could help. And he was not a general practitioner. His specialty was dermatology and allergy. <clears throat> Pardon me. So that sort of leadership of, of putting yourself out there to help others is, is probably what inspired me, you know, at a young age. Absolutely. Is that, um, is that something that was encouraged um, to just always help others? And, and I, I know he, it's interesting as a dermatologist, but still training, right? And, and you always look for that person who, who's the, the closest to an expert that you need at the time of an emergency. And was that, was that a formative experience? It sounds like it was. Yeah, it really was. Um, he always put put himself um, behind others. He was out there to serve people. He was the youngest of, I think, five kids in his family, um, and he was he was often the one taking care of his his family members, including my grandparents, and taking care of myself, of course, and and, and my siblings. So from that from that aspect, yeah, he was he was quite an inspiration. I think to there are five kids in my family, and three of us are in healthcare. So I think he inspired at least, you know, three fifths of the, of the family. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, is that, is it, did you can ever, ever consider a career anywhere else or was healthcare something that you, you really just kind of latched onto and, and continued to develop in? Really once I started getting into the coursework at, at Providence and then I did a, a summer internship at St. Luke's hospital in New Bedford. Uh, I really, I really fell in love with it. So uh, the nice thing is that the skill set that, that you develop on the business side, you can apply in other industries. And, and I've worked um, sort of peripherally with other companies. I've been on a number of boards uh, that have nothing to do with healthcare. Um, I've been involved with some startup companies just on the side, so to speak, uh, helping out with friends. So, so I, despite that, I've, I've pretty much stayed focused on healthcare. I knew that when I got into it and made the decision to pursue my master's degree uh, in healthcare specifically, I said, okay, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, this is how I'm going to contribute. Well, the industry, I mean, obviously the past year, it's been disrupted quite a bit due to COVID, but um, do you see, what, what's the future of healthcare look like at this point? It's going to continue to evolve. I think the pandemic has done obviously a lot of harm to a lot of people, but it's also done some good in the sense of it exposed some of the weaknesses in our infrastructure and in our health uh, preparedness. Um, hospitals uh, are community assets. And when when things go really south, like it did with the pandemic or what's happening right now in Texas, for example, and, and the other states being hit by the, the strong winter, you know, it's our responsibility to be there for the community. And in those times of crisis, that's when we learn lessons about how, to, how can we prepare ourselves for the next crisis because this will not be our last pandemic. I'm hoping it's the last one for a while, but right. uh, but we're, we've learned a lot of lessons from it. Right. So, it, uh, you know, growing up on the East Coast, and you, you've been a resident of the Mahoning Valley for 20 years. Do you find, you know, there's a lot of, you know, culture and the way in which people operate and communicate with each other. Do you find your East Coast experience you've had to adjust or did you find it an easy transition out of curiosity? 
Yeah, it was not a difficult transition at all. I, I grew up in New England. I worked for six years in California. I worked for three years in Washington, D.C. and had been in D.C. prior to going to California. So I find people are people. Um, you just have to, have to, you may have to learn the, the lingo a little bit better, like yins. I know you say yins a lot out here. Yeah, a lot of yins around here, right, right. <laughs> right, right. That was a new one on me. <laughs> okay. But for the most part, uh, you know, your current role today, so uh, you're newer to the Akron Children's Hospital organization, right? Are we about, as of this recording, it's late February, you're about four weeks into it? Correct. Four weeks with Akron Children's. When I first moved here and worked with, uh, at the time, it was called Humility of Mary, but it's, you know, Bonds Corps Mercy Health Youngstown. Um, I was the planning director back when I joined in 2000, and we started conversations really at that time, might have been even a little bit before I arrived, between uh, St. Elizabeth's and Akron Children's, just sort of forging that relationship. So I had been exposed to Akron Children's in that way, met some of their leaders through that process, um, really enjoyed them, quite frankly, enjoyed the passion that they had for their, for their mission and their organization. So it was a pleasure to sort of work with them in, in a little bit and watching that relationship evolve and their commitment to the Valley, you know, become become uh, solidified, if you will, when they, they established the, the Boardman campus and now are establishing other other entities here in the Valley. So I had some work with them before, but yeah, this is four weeks, uh, four weeks in. Not my first uh, rodeo in terms of pediatric healthcare because I was with another uh, children's hospital before, uh, before joining Akron. Well, we're quite fortunate to have a pediatric, pediatric healthcare organization here in the Valley because obviously there are, you know, in the larger, the three C's, right? Cincinnati, Columbus, Cleveland, there are great institutions, but um, to have Akron Children's here, uh, how do you feel that, that it's it's serving the Mahoney Valley, say, if it weren't here, what, what would what would it look like? I was very impressed when, when Akron even just wanted to be involved in working with St. Elizabeth back in, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002. Uh, the fact that, um, you know, they didn't see Akron as a, as a boundary or a border. Uh, they recognized the need for pediatric health care. And you're right, there's only, you know, a few dozen pediatric uh, hospitals across the country. When I moved here, I was delighted that Todd's was here. In fact, my, my daughter was, as an infant, was a, an outpatient at Todd's briefly. But uh, the ability to have uh, an organization that is dedicated to pediatric healthcare and brings that depth of knowledge for kids ages zero to 18 is, is a great asset to a community. And it's attractive to somebody looking from outside, you know, do I want to live in this community? So I think it's, it's a double win for the Valley because we have that level of expertise and talent. And it's, a, it's, an, it's an, uh, um, an attractive piece for people to consider moving here. Yeah, that's so true. And and you look at Lordstown. So say the growth, you know, in the news every day on the Business Journal, something happening at Lordstown Motors, Ultium Cells, TJX. It seems like all the growth is west of us here. Um, and my general impression, and I've looked at our data, in fact, as well, but it feels like the Akron, Canton, and Youngstown areas are coming together a little bit more, you know, because there's an interesting dynamic there I'm watching, right? The, uh, so do you feel like the residents saying that, you know, Portage County, Summit County will feel a, an affinity towards Youngstown with Lordstown, say, in the, in the career opportunities as a magnet? I like to think so. You know, when I got here, in, in, uh, it was actually 1999 when I first drove uh, through downtown uh, Youngstown coming here to interview with, with uh, 
humility of Mary. And I was so impressed at the fact that I just saw a lot of opportunity here mm-hmm. uh, in the Valley. And, and now I've lived here over these years. My, my in-laws live out in Joggy County. So we make that route you know, regularly. Um, I, I do think you know, the addition of what's going on in Lordstown, the resurgence of what's happening there, I see the work that the Youngstown Business Incubator is doing, the incubator from Warren. There's a lot of ideas and talent uh, that are here and that are creating opportunity. I, and, and, you know, with technology these days, as especially pointed out in the, in the process of uh, surviving the pandemic, we're not, we're not uh, bound in by long distance highways. And we might consider an hour drive long, but uh, that's going to go away very quickly. It's going away now with technology like we're doing today. Um, and it's it's going to go away far uh, quicker when we just find those opportunities. So I'd like to think people from Portage County will see opportunities out in Lordstown and out here. And I hope folks on in the Moaning Valley see opportunities out in Portage and Summit as well. Right. I, I have a, a, a you know it seems like via the pandemic and and there's a new statewide pride and and it's interesting given it seems like the state of Ohio is doubling down on healthcare because you have the Cleveland Innovation District which is anchored by the Cleveland Clinic. You have the Columbus Innovation District announced just yesterday on cell research uh, anchored by Ohio State University Hospitals. Uh, Do you see uh, their potential, you know, with with just the big focus on healthcare as an important industry for the state of Ohio, do you see additional resources coming our way? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I think obviously we have those names that folks are familiar with nationally or even internationally, like Cleveland Clinic, Akron Children's, for example, and Bon Secours Mercy Health. Um, I, I think the Midwest is becoming more and more important in the national eye. If you look at what's happening on the coast, um, they're, not, they're not faring as well in some of right. those. California is a great example. Seattle is a great example. So um, I'm sure I'm sure they'll have their time to research, but I know there's a lot of interest now looking at how well the Midwest has done. Governor DeWine's done a fantastic job managing us through this pandemic. Um, and there are just a lot of opportunities and, and frankly, a culture of collaboration that, mm-hmm. that I see in, across the state, which is wonderful. We're not, we don't hesitate to call somebody from Columbus and say, hey, what are you doing? What, here's what we're doing. Can we work together? I just I do see that as uh, the state, like you said, is having a resurgence of, of pride. That's excellent. So, so being four weeks in a new job, you know, it's a, it's a chance to, um, you know, take a step back and think about your leadership style. And, you know, as they say, when you transfer schools, oh, you can rebrand yourself, remake yourself. Did you go through any of that kind of emotional inventory or leadership style inventory and, and think about your leadership style and, and deploy a style for your new role? Well, I certainly did did that self-assessment as I approached a, a new organization, but it was more of a way of how do I make make my uh, leadership style merge with the culture here. Mm-hmm. Um, I I, I approach leadership as as uh, and I've done this for all my career as a servant leader, um, lead by example, serve others, and uh, I just think that's the right way to do it. So I might do it a little bit differently in one organization than I did in another, but that's mostly to, to, to you know, blend in with the culture and not try to disrupt the culture, maybe, maybe evolve the culture a little bit uh, with, with by, you know, by example or by certainly by initiatives and new ideas. Um, but I didn't, didn't come into any organization to be a disruptor. I came in to help propel and, and support the mission that's there. 
um, and help the organization continue to grow. So I, I hope my leadership style is one that's embraced here. I think it is based on uh, based on my interview process and the folks that I've been working with. Everybody here is dedicated to the children and we're dedicated to helping each other take care of those, those children and teens. Absolutely. I, I actually enjoy and appreciate sometimes people are hired as disruptors and to come in and drive change and transformation. But you can, I, I think what I'm hearing is you can still drive transformation and change uh, possibly at a different pace, but, but taking that servant leader approach and mindset and mentality to, to really it's fosters more collaboration. It sounds like. Yes, exactly. And it, 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 it you know, especially in healthcare, it takes collaboration. Uh, we, uh, those of us in healthcare, we know to get, to get something done, to take, to take care of one patient, it takes, a lot of people working together, focusing around that patient. So to have a, a style that embraces that knowledge of, uh, or that notion of collaboration uh, is really what's important, I think, in, in delivering healthcare. How, how do you balance, say, the clinical and the business administrative side? Are they, are they, are they at odds at times, or is it, is it really just some, a conversation that happens um, where mutually beneficial outcomes, you know, come to pass? Yeah, it's, it's, sometimes there may be a little bit of conflict, but there's, there's more success than there is conflict. There's more collaboration than there is conflict. What I like to do is be aware of what I know and what I don't know. I'm not a clinician. I won't ever suggest that, you know, we do something a certain way for clinical reasons. I will say, well, it may, here's the economic impact of it, or here's the economic impact of the family. Now let's talk, talk about how do we get it done. And so I think, again, successful organizations have done that. They, they bring all sides to the table to figure things out. So it's not just an administrative decision or just a clinical decision when it doesn't have to be. You know, a mm -hmm. clinical decision to save somebody's life, absolutely, that's, there's not much of a discussion there in a, in a time of crisis for that. Sometimes there's a business crisis that requires that business acumen. Right. Well, so we want to dig into, um, speaking of business, we often make leadership mistakes in business. But before we dig into that, we want to take a minute to thank our sponsors. The Brain Gain is a collaborative effort, and we'd like to thank our headlining sponsors, including Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition, and Southwoods Health. Also included are Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Moransky Companies, the Mahoning County Career and Technical Center, the Youngstown Business Incubator, Simon Roofing, the DeBartolo Corporation, Youngstown State University, and Junior Achievement of the Mahoning Valley. So, Paul, would you care to share any leadership mistakes you've made or, or maybe perhaps the, some instructive learning for us all? We don't have enough time in the segment for me to tell you all the mistakes <laughs> I've made, which means I'm very knowledgeable because I've learned from all. <laughs> At least I hope I have. Um, you know, the biggest mistake I've made is not, not a specific one, but, but typically happens when I don't have the right people around the table. When I, when I do try to go it alone, and we were just talking about how it is a collaborative, uh, you know, healthcare is a collaborative sport. And there have been times in my past when I've said, oh, I can just figure this out myself and I'll just do it. And usually that's when it doesn't work as, as well as it could have if I had involved the right people. So over the years, 
I really have come to, to appreciate getting the right people around the table at the right time and being flexible. We just had this conversation the other day. Uh, something came up. We had an impromptu issue. We need a decision within the next couple of days. Uh, and I said, well, we can, there are about five people involved. I said, we can collaborate at tomorrow at this time, but this other person wasn't going to be available the next day. So if, we, if they're not available, then we can wait until they are available. Make sure we have all the right people around the table to get it done. Uh, th those decisions made in that in that uh, scenario tends to be more effective. Right. You, well, you, you know, you're right. It, sometimes it could delay a day, but actually it might delay things a month because by not say you had the meeting, went forward with a decision, and then finally looped that person in that wasn't available. Well, then that could drag things out and cause a lot of friction. Whereas, hey, one more day buys you actually a you know an entire month, uh, if you will. Right. Right. Exactly. And you're not having to do rework and not having to back up and explain why things were done. Uh, Akron Children's has a great approach. It's a tool I've seen in another company called an S bar. And that means that it's, what's the situation, what's the background, what's the assessment, what's the recommendation. So it's just a logical way of approaching a problem, uh, the S-BAR. And, and they use it very frequently here in Akron Children's. Again, I've seen it in other companies, uh, but it's pretty much hardwired here. So everybody has that approach. So we talk about what's the situation, what's the history on it, the background, how do we assess or analyze what's going on? And then from that, what is our recommendation? And, and that makes it easier for our leaders then to see the, that thought process and the logic and also who is involved in solving that problem. Wow. SBAR. That, that's a new acronym for me, but you better believe I'm going to use it. So SBAR, <laughs> Situation, Background, assess, um, Assessment, and Recommendation. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Okay. I, I'm used to scope, Situation, Consequences, Obstacles, Preferences, Expected Results. Roughly yes. the same, right? <laughs> yep, roughly the same. And then you just have one more letter. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, and I've heard of FUBAR. That's a military term, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, we have that too in hospitals. <laughs> right, right. Well, this is, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it positive here. Um, so no, that's good. And SBAR, that's actually a great acronym uh, that I'll probably incorporate uh, in my day to day. So I want to shift gears and talk about our future, you know, kids, right? And Akron Children's has a mission centered around kids and how important is healthcare? What's the role of healthcare to set us up for success with, you know, the future of our community, of our economy is kids. And do you feel like we are set up for success or do we have some challenges in front of us? Well, I think every population has its, its fair share of challenges. The health, the community health indicators that all the counties in Ohio monitor and report on, um, you know, 20 years ago when I first got here, they were, uh, we, our, our area, the, 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 the Mahoney Valley, was lagging behind in several key indicators. Over the last 20 years, because we have so many talented healthcare professionals in the valley and so many other organizations focused around care, not just for kids, but for all populations, I, I believe those indicators have improved. We still have a ways to go. Infant mortality is a big one. Um, you know, when we talk about healthcare, when I was in grad school, they, they used to talk about upstream and downstream, and, and that is, you can see people you're down river and you see people floating in the river and you're pulling them out. And then you realize if you ran upstream and built a bridge, they'd stop falling in the water and healthcare is kind of the same way. So if we're seeing, uh, if we're seeing adults with uh, lung cancer, 
uh, perhaps one of the best ways to fix that is get get to them while they're young teens, you know, young adults and teens, and teach them the dangers of smoking, for example. So so we've had a lot of opportunity, and I think some increased success in that regard because there's so many people in this community that are focused on taking care of children. Again, not just hospitals, but also nonprofits. Right. What what role does say? does a healthy community uh, play in, in children's education? So are there things that Akron Children's is doing, um, you know, fuel for the body, fuel for the mind, uh, setting them up, you know, collaborating with educational institutions or community organizations? Oh, yeah. It, it, there are so many things we're doing. It's hard to um, list them all, but we start real early, even in the prenatal side. So, so you know, partnering with, with Mercy wherever we can because they have the OB program. Our neonatal intensive care units are in the hospital in St. Elizabeth Boardman uh, and, and St. Joseph's where the babies are being born. Uh, so right off the bat, and uh, we're working with the moms. Um, we have collaborations with um, Ronald McDonald's House Charities, uh, with lots of other organizations to make sure that there's um, safety kits, you know, identity kits for children, uh, car seats, training about how to use car seats. And things like that, and we have a, a huge, uh, fantastic group of volunteers that contribute to Akron, not only just you know, financially, uh, but with also assets. I mean, they'll donate car seats for us to give to kids, or they'll donate their time to help us, you know, to, to read to children or to, mm-hmm. to help in the in the NICU. So, Akron plays a, a huge role in working with all of our community partners, trying to take care of kids at the youngest age, and then throughout their you know their journey as they grow and become you know to learn healthy habits, to, to be physically active, to be mentally active. Um, with the pandemic, we're seeing an increase of, of need relative to behavioral health. Akron Children's has put more resources into behavioral health here in the Valley um, as we, as we you know, are trying to address those needs, again, with our partners in the community. Do you think behavioral health, you know, there's, there's been talk of how tough the pandemic has been. You know, the pandemic's been tough on everyone in different ways, but for kids and and the social opportunities that they get in school, you know, are, have been very different. So, do you think there's enough emphasis on behavioral health, or do you think we need to really dial in more on that? There probably needs to be more resources and emphasis put on mental health. You know, mental health issues usually aren't something that's acute in the sense of like I fall, I break my arm. You can see that that right away, and you can tend to fix it right away. Um, behavioral health issues are, are, are not as obvious. Um, and I think I think what's happened with the pandemic, as we've been kind of seeing reported nationally, there's more and more uh, um, crises building up uh, because of that isolation, because of this, this sudden change in kids' routines and, and so forth. My sister works in this field on the East Coast uh, with working with teens and, and families, um, and uh, you know her business is booming, and that's not always a good thing. And she'll she'll acknowledge that. That's uh, there are a lot of there's a lot of need out there. Um, and sometimes behavioral health is a tough thing to talk about, uh, you know, for a family to recognize it, for others to, 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 to uh, make people aware of it. There's been a stigma attached to behavioral health issues for years. I think in the last few years, we're doing a good job kind of removing that stigma and f- focusing on, you know, the issue itself, not the perception mm-hmm. of it, but how do, we, how do we get help to the child or the teen and how do we get them well from a behavioral health standpoint? Right. It's interesting you bring up the diagnostics perspective because, you know, if you if you fall and break your arm, there's physical evidence, you know, visual evidence. 
are, do you see any improvements or you maybe even mentioned some startups you're involved in? Is there say behavioral health diagnostics on the way, either technology or is it more technology or more training and observation? How, how do you see that? I see more people going into the field, which is great. And, and there's a lot more research being done now on behavioral health side. So that that is leading to, I think, better ways to diagnose folks. Again, I'm not a clinician, but from what I see, I see some I see progress in there. And the and the biggest really step forward is is talking about it, is making, you know, make, being aware that, you know, there are things called eating disorders and there are kids that really need help and teaching the parents how to recognize when when they should ask for help and that it's okay to ask for help. And that's that's mm-hmm. why resources like Akron Children's and others are, are here for them. Right, right. So I know Akron Children's probably has, uh, if you have this great acronym, SBAR, you definitely have a strategic planning process, I'm sure. And uh, what's that look like? Have Is it an annual process with quarterly check-ins or has it been reset completely due to the pandemic? So uh, remember, I've only been here a few weeks. <laughs> oh, that's right. Sorry. Okay. Well, to the best of your knowledge. Yeah. Uh, so actually, we're just coming off. Uh, we're coming off the, the heat. We have, a, I think, it's a four or five year strategic plan. We're just at the, at the end of it right now. Um, so what I've learned is that it is a collaborative process mm-hmm. in terms of iterative throughout the organization and focused on community need. A big, uh, a, a big ingredient that goes into that strategic planning process is the community health needs assessment. And what needs do we see in this in the uh, communities that we serve, such as infant mortality? So how do we gear our resources around that? Okay. Well, so from a planning, I'm, what I'm getting at is is say the forecast for careers, right, and and jobs, the outlook right now. I mean, there's an event happening at Ultium Cells right now in which they're you know they're investing 2.3 billion dollars in the plant. Uh, thousands of jobs there. Lordstown Motors as well will have a, a, a great set of jobs. Are, are you forecasting an uptick in population or is that something you've uh, seen or care to comment on? You know, if you look at the demographics of the Valley, um, for, if you look over the like, past 30 years, the population has been going down and then it's been right. coming up in certain segments and the segments that have been growing have been, have been the older population. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when I first moved here back in 2000, reading an article about graduates from YSU were leaving the area because the lack of jobs. To your point, there's now more jobs coming back into the area. So I don't think we've seen the hard numbers yet because those things in, in Lordstown are fairly new. I, I think it's going to start getting some traction and then you're going to start to see some increase in population and then and then resources around that to support that population will follow. We do try to anticipate what's needed Certainly, from a uh, from a workforce standpoint, we anticipate the needs that we have, and work with local schools, universities, and so forth to say, "Hey, these are our these are our shortages. We need more nurses and health home care. We need more physical therapists. You know, what can we? How can we collaborate to find those those uh, young adults that are interested in going into these fields, and how can we encourage that? Uh, encourage them there, and then try to have a job for them when they get out." Right. So it sounds like there's a wide variety of careers available in healthcare. I, I believe healthcare is one of the what's called an in-demand jobs area per the Team Neo data we've seen. Yes. Yeah. There's high demand in, in mostly clinical, but not just clinical areas. Really, all areas of healthcare we have high demand in. Uh, there was probably during the pandemic there was a slowdown. Some organizations because because the financial impact slowed down the hiring. 
we're starting to see that uh, tick back up again. Oh, that's good to know. So even things in, in analytics or diagnostics or, or say looking at data, interrogating data to determine trends to then thereby, you know, set up the resources appropriately? Yes. In healthcare now, there's, a, there's something called population health. Mm -hmm. and, and that's that is a high demand on analytics. Uh, we have more data now relative to people's health than we did in, in years past. And so we can use that data, drill down and, and focus on social determinants of health and look at different population segments or geographic segments. So the demand for, for smart folks to be able to analyze data and turn you know, data into information is, is increasing in healthcare. Absolutely. Yeah. The insights are so critical uh, from those data sets. Mm -hmm. So uh, do you see any challenges in front of us? So seeing the, you know, the economic outlook uh, is positive. Anything you would like to see from a leadership standpoint or from a, an organizational standpoint, if you, if you take a step back and look at the Mahoning and Shenango Valleys and our development? I think we have we're really blessed that we have very strong leadership in, in you know in this area northeast Ohio western western Pennsylvania that has and and that leadership has pointed out um, the opportunities here for businesses and they've good, done a good job getting people together to work on things uh, collaboratively. So so from from I said take a step back I just I see that to continue to to grow. Um, again, I see the good work that the business incubator uh, is doing, the stuff that we've been talking about in, in Lordstown, um, Youngstown State University and others. So there's a lot of opportunity here. I, I think that the, the trajectory is very strong. Um, and I, I think that, like I said, the population will, you know, will, will continue to, uh, to sort of come back uh, and grow with it. Okay, excellent. So uh, we're going to close out here pretty soon. But before we do, do you have any favorite books or podcasts you'd recommend to the audience uh, around, you know, could be leadership topics, could be management, it could be um, chess, you know, whatever you think. Actually, uh, my daughters and I were just repicking up chess because we watched that show, The Queen's Gambit. And uh, there so you go. Exactly. We are interested in, in chess. But I would recommend folks, if they haven't read it, The Fifth Discipline. Uh, came out back in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more of a textbook, uh, but it talks about it's, it's systems thinking. Um, and uh, I talked to a YSU professor a couple of years ago, and she said, yeah, it's still relevant. We still, we still teach systems thinking in terms of business, uh, looking at things holistically and as, the, as they relate to each other, not just as a, in, a, in a microcosm. So uh, I, I would recommend that. That's, it's, it's not an easy read, but it's an important read. Right, right. So, so looking, stepping back, looking at the broader framework or the de dependencies on decisions or the way and interdependencies, how things relate and how if you affect one thing over here, it's going to have a domino effect that you may not have determined yet uh, down the road and see that have, see an impact over here. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there could be intended or unintended consequences, which I yeah I think that is the rise for uh, systems thinking. Yeah. So, well, that's good, Paul. This has been really. Um, really enjoyed this conversation, enjoyed learning more about your perspective and, and, you know, the role that Akron Children's plays in the future of our, you know, I know I can say the future of our economy. I, maybe I'll say community, but this is a business show. So <laughs> I can say the future of our economy, but we are certainly con concerned with the community and quality of life. But uh, any parting thoughts you'd like to share with our audience before we sign off? 
you know, I would just say I am I, I am a, a transplant. I came here 20 years ago. I'm so excited about the Valley. I've, I've, I've loved every minute that we've been here. I especially love now joining Akron Children's because of all the great work that they're doing. Um, and I appreciate the show that you're doing. Um, I think folks need to be listening and, and uh, tuning into things like this so they understand all the great work that's being done here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us today on the Brain Gain Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today because together we're building a culture of entrepreneurship and promoting workforce development. So if you like what you heard, please share it with a friend and leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Your feedback is very important to us. We want to make the show better all the time. And if you would like to give me direct feedback, email me, please. My email is j. H-E-R-R-M-A-N-N at business-journal.com or you can find me on LinkedIn. And lastly, would love to thank the members of the Brain Gain Coalition. Those headline collaborators include Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Mahoney Valley Manufacturers Coalition, and Southwoods Health. And joining them are members of the coalition including Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Moransky Companies, MCCTC, the Mahoney County Career and Technical Center, the Youngstown Business Incubator, Simon Roofing, the DeBartolo Corporation, Youngstown State University, and Junior Achievement of Mahoning Valley. Without them, none of this would be possible. So thanks again for joining us today. And remember, together we are building a culture of entrepreneurship and promoting workforce development.